so welcome to a very special edition of You're Going to Be Fantastic. I'm Ann Foster. I'm Jenny Ryan. And today we're, we're putting on our movie reviewer hats. And we're talking about a movie. So, and this is interesting because it's a movie I've seen twice, Jenny has seen once. Yes. Um, it's the movie La La Land. La La Land. And I saw it and I was like, oh my god, it moved me in ways we will get into, largely because I was heavily into like movie musicals from the 1950s and this that's what this movie kind of does. And then Jenny went to see it and she's like, oh my god, we should talk about it for the podcast. Well, we saw it together yeah. and uh, Anne had seen it once and I, I did not want to see this movie, I will mm-hmm. admit. I was like, meh, not interested. Don't really care. Not a huge Ryan Gosling fan. Don't really want to see Emma Stone try to sing and dance. I'm not particularly moved. But then Anne was so I was enthusiastic. Like, it just like made me cry of joy. Right. This movie. So I went to see it with Anne, thinking maybe it was worth watching. And um, I was halfway through the movie. I was like, we have to talk about this for the podcast. I was so distracted by the whole, like, the dresses and the singing and dancing, and then Jenny was like, um, but the message of the movie is about your dreams, and dreams going unfulfilled, and, like, how your life is, and I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah. So, just a uh, heads up, there are, this is going to be resplendent with spoilers. So, so you... there'll be spoilers, like, spoilers for a movie that probably most of you have seen. So, if you okay. haven't seen it, and you want to see it, and you don't know, want to know, you don't want to know what happens, uh, hang up now. I guess, yeah, like, listen to this later. Later. Or something. But so we'll give you, let's pause, we'll give you a chance to go and watch it. <laughs> go go do something else. Switch to, to one of our other podcasts, and then... Okay. So welcome everyone well, who wants to hear. Welcome, welcome. Okay. So, um... I think we can just sort of, like, go through the movie, like, as best as we remember it, um, and just, like, what what it tells us about Okay. Things we talk about. So the reason, so the the thrust of our podcast here, you were going to be fantastic. Is we talk to people about um, more or less what their dreams were, and then we try to figure out how they failed at achieving them, or how they maybe achieved them, or they modified their or dreams. how they realized that that dream was like maybe not, you know, what everyone wants to do when they're five is not always. You're not. It's not like the giver. It's not like you have to do exactly what. Right. So what happens in this movie is it tells the story. Well, I. Like Mia's story, Mia being Emma Stone. Yeah. She was a girl who at eight years old decided she wanted to be an actress. Because of the influence of her aunt, who is an actress and slash, sort of like, clearly a mess. They sing a song about how the aunt was a mess. Yeah. Um, but she, performer or something. Yeah. But they, like, got, like, all these old movies from the library, which, like, shout out to the library. That's how I watched all the old movies as well. Um, and so then Mia came to just love the whole, like, Hollywood, the Hollywood dream. So Mia wanted to be an actress, but she wants to be a Hollywood. Hollywood actress. star. She wasn't Hollywood like, actress. I'm going to go and like work my way up gradually, community, production, something else. Like, no. So she moves to Hollywood, and I think by the time the movie starts, it was like six years ago or something. Well, She's been there for like quite a while. Interestingly, I just read a little bit about the movie, and Damien Chazelle, is that how we say his name? Yeah, the writer-director uh, of the oh. film, wrote it initially as a thesis for his like Harvard some oh. class. And it was originally like a short film that he made with his friend. Mm-hmm. And then they um, made this movie. Uh, then he moved to Hollywood, and in 2010 he wrote the movie. And then f- initially it was supposed to be um, Miles Teller and Emma Watson. And can I just say, like, thank God Miles Teller didn't do it, because I just, like, can't handle <laughs> Miles Teller. So, but then he, when they, when they ended up going with Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, he actually wanted people who were older, because he wanted to make it so that 
Um, he didn't want people who were just starting. He wanted people who were, like, on the tail end of their dreams. Right. Like, he didn't want people who were fresh newcomers to Hollywood. He wanted people who were, like, been trying and failing for a long time. Well, that's a, that's a good point, because Emma Stone is, I don't know, what, like, 27 or yeah. something. So to see her, it's not like someone who's like, I'm 21 and I just got here, but she's someone who in the movie is clearly, like, she's been here a while. She's You see her going to these, like, shitty auditions for, yeah. like, one-line terrible roles and, like, TV shows or whatever. Like, she wants to be an actress, but what that has turned into is just, like, this, like, soul-crushing right. sequence of auditions. Right. Yeah. So what I think made me... Th- yes. Do we want to just go, like, through the movie? Like, just start, like... I think so. I think linearly? As, as much as we can remember. Oh, and then Ryan Gosling is in it, but I would also agree that it's really Mia's story. Yeah. Ryan Gosling is a guy named Sebastian who moved, went out to L.A. He's a jazz pianist. He's, like, extremely gifted. He's, like, a very good pianist. He went out there, and he had a deal to, like, buy this club and to make it into a jazz club, but then it fell through. Like, it was, like, a shyster. He was, like, someone stole his money or something. So his dream is to open a jazz club that plays, like, real jazz. Classic jazz. Yeah, so, like, jazz the way that it was before. Um, so, like, Mia has this sort of, like, classic Hollywood dream and he has sort of this classic, classic jazz, jazz dream. dream so he wants to open a jazz club and he like it's gonna be called chicken on a stick and it's gonna be like he only wants to open it in this one building that used to be an old jazz club before where it's like he's like very set in his ways he doesn't have much flexibility in his dream no his dream is like specific so interestingly what I think what ends up happening is they meet and they fall in love and their dreams are very much connected with one another because Mia, um, the, it, I read a review of the movie that talked about how the movie has this thing where you balance like love and stability and um, comfort, and how like you maybe have to trade that in. True, like can you have true love and a dream? I think what I'll say though in the movie is that. Both of them, like, Mia's dream is to be an actress. Sebastian's dream is to open his jazz club. Like, neither of them has a dream to be, like, to fall in love and have a family. Like, that doesn't come up. Like, their dreams are both, like, job-based dreams. Right. So then falling in love sort of helps them in ways, but it also sort of derails them in other ways. The... And... What I think is interesting about it, so what ended up happening in the movie is they're both trying to pursue their dreams on their own they're not getting anywhere and then they get together and you're like oh maybe together as partners they'll help each other fulfill their dreams but in the do they help each other or do they sabotage each other and well then the thing too we should talk about like their the way that they there was something like mia's going on these like terrible auditions but she's like doing it she's like soldiering through Sebastian has sort of these, like, piano jobs where he, like, can't play the way he wants to. Right. And he's all like, I can't play music your way, man. I have to, like, follow my jazz muse. So he's, like, fired constantly. Yeah. So Mia is, like, okay with sort of selling out a bit. Sebastian is all like, I have to stay true to myself. Right. So, like, that's where they're coming from at the beginning. I think it's important to say because eventually they end up trading. Yeah. So, yeah, she's happy to kind of not sell out, but just, like, do the work. And, uh... And he he will not compromise. And that's why, like, you see that she has, like, a job. She's, like, a barista. Sebastian, his jobs are just, like, he keeps playing keyboards and, like, terrible bands and being fired from them. Yes. Like, he doesn't have that, even the stability of, like, a nine-to-five job. No. He's just, like, all I want is to open this jazz club. Does this seem like something men do? Does this seem like women are often more practical and women are, like, I have to pay the rent? And he's more like, yeah, like the world. I keep thinking about, there's a quote from The Fault in Our Stars. Shout out to The Fault in Our Stars. 
John Green. Not, but there's a thing where the one character says, the world is not a wish-granting factory. Right. And this movie made me think about that because both of them, I think, went to Hollywood with these, like, dreams and whatever, and then it turns out, like, no, like, even when you put in the work, you're not going to necessarily get what you want. I remember thinking it was... Sebastian's a- not putting in the work. That's no. the thing. He's I, not putting in the work. And I remember thinking it was weird that he... I think the reason they needed to tie Sebastian's dream so strongly to that particular jazz club in L.A., because I don't think of L.A. as, like, a jazz town. So I feel like... Because really, I'm like, why don't you go live somewhere else? I think is... is I don't know, is... Is Boston more jazz? I don't or, know where like jazz New is. New Orleans. Yeah, or something. like why yeah. are you not in New York? Like I don't understand why it was LA. So I think the reason they needed they needed him to be in the story to make it work because his his dream was this club he was trying to buy. So and she's like, can't you just buy another club? He's like, no, it has to be this particular venue. That's a good point. And because they needed they needed him to be in LA, and so it's like they had to construct a reason, and the reason was this particular piece of property. Yeah, is the reason I cannot leave and maybe go live somewhere else because that's what ends up happening. Of course, is she starts asking him to modify. Yeah, and he's like, no. But then the thing, so they, they're influencing each other in positive ways initially. Yes. Where she's saying, like, well, can't you, like, expand your dream? And he's like, no, but, like, you know, that, that bug is in his head, and later on we see maybe he does. Um, but then she's like, I'm just doing, like, I'm just going to these auditions. This is how it works. And he's like, no, like, when you were a kid, because she told him this, like, she wrote plays. Right. So he's like, you're a playwright. Like, you should just, like, don't just do these, like, shitty jobs. Like, follow your muse. Like, follow your dream. Like, do the acting version of 1940s jazz. Right. Like... Do, like, you don't want to be an actress to go to these terrible auditions. You want to be an actress to, like, express yourself. So he's, like, so he's encouraging her to be less, not, like, sell is not the right word, but he wants her to be more, like, a creative artist. And she wants him to be more of, like, a person with a job. Like a practical. Like a person well, but <laughs> who does makes she, money. But does she? Because it's interesting, right? So oh, at one yeah. point in the movie... She has never said to like she said to him, maybe you don't want it to be called chicken on a stick. Maybe it does no one wants to go there. But she doesn't actually like she's trying to be supportive, but then he overhears her. So right. she's on the so eventually they move in together and they're both pursuing while well, he's, you know, working and she's going to auditions. And then eventually she's on the phone with her mother yeah. and um and she he overhears her and she's like, Oh, She's he, speaking very supportively. Yeah, about she's him. like, no, he's gonna he's gonna open a club. Like she's basically confirm and he so you watch his face as the, she's having this conversation. She's like, No, he's just getting the financing together. No, he's gonna open a club. Yeah, it's gonna be called Chicken on a Stick or whatever. And and whether she's fronting to her mother or she actually believes these things, but that's when you he's like, I'm never doing any of those things. And she needs me to, if I'm gonna keep the girl, I have to become stable because she's telling her mother that I'm not a bad bet. So suddenly, that's when he goes and compromises, and he ends up joining that weird modern like dance jazz fusion group with um, John Legend. John Legend, um, which is okay. This is an interesting part of the movie because he like this is his like sellout moment. Like there's a thing where they show, so he's playing with John Legend. Like the band becomes very successful; they're touring all the time, and Emma Stone comes to a show, which right. is like first of all, it's like, did she not listen to the music ever before she yeah. went to the show? Anyway, so. It's the show starts off and it's like a spotlight Ryan Gosling. Like he's like playing beautiful piano. Then the yeah. lights go up and then John Legend is there and then suddenly like dancing girls are there and yes. Ryan Gosling is just like playing a synthesizer. Yes. Like it's so it's like jazz fusion and I think they brought out the dancing girls because it's like this song is kind of good. Like, yeah. If you listen to the soundtrack, you're like, that's am I supposed to hate this song? But you're it's also in Emma Stone's face where she's like, oh my god, he's he's selling out. Like this isn't yeah. his, his passion. This isn't his yeah. love. So he's in this band. 
making so much money, like yeah. being very successful. And so then he suddenly becomes like, well, I'm successful. Like people like it. Where earlier in the movie, he's like, who cares what people think? So he's like completely switched his whole right. point of view. Right. Well, and the interesting thing too is that the movie does a good job of setting up like, because he meets John Legend at a bar, at a jazz club. And John Legend, I don't even know what the character's name is. He's not John Legend in the movie. It's John like, Legend. It's not like John Legend's jazz band. Yeah. But John Legend's, John Legend's character is like, man, I still need a keyboardist for this new project. And he's like, and then Ryan Gosling's like, no, I don't think so. And then he says to Mia... Sebastian says to Mia, that guy's trouble, it's always, like, I don't want to get involved with him. And we never know what really happened, but it seems like, but what's interesting to me is that actually John Legend gives him this speech, gives, like, Ron Gosling this speech, and he says, um, you say you want to preserve jazz, and jazz was always about creativity and innovation, and jazz jazz was created it was people who tried new things like that's what if you if you actually want to honor jazz then you need to be creative and you need to try new things so i actually felt like maybe he got through to sebastian but then sebastian's like i'm just doing it for the money i'm like are you because i feel like maybe you should be embracing this as actually the way jazz works i don't know i don't know about jazz but um so i don't know again i'm like was was this just written in for Sebastian, like convenience for sebastian or was this actually the story. I don't know. It was interesting though, because when they when he first meets John Legend in the jazz bar, um, and John Legend's like, "Hey, it's good to see you. Like, I have this new combo. We need a keyboardist. I know you're really good." And Ryan Gosling's like, "No, no, no, that's okay." And Mia's like, um, "What's that all about?" And we're the audience. We're like Mia. We're like, um, "This person just offered you a job. Like, why are you saying no?" But then later we're like, oh, "Okay, like their sensibilities are different. Like, we get kind of why maybe that wouldn't work." But is it really that that Sebastian doesn't like? John Legend, or is it that he knows that John Legend is actually success- like good at this business stuff, and so he's jealous? Is it actually like resentment? Well, that's sort of a thing too, where it's like the theme of like, does success mean you're not artistically pure anymore? Mm-hmm. Where I think Sebastian almost is like he wants to be struggling because that means he's more legitimate to himself. Well, it means that you also don't have to worry; you can fail, and you don't have to worry about being successful because you're like, oh well, everything's against me. Failure is inevitable. I guess I'm. It doesn't matter. Like, it, yeah, it's almost a way to justify not getting to fulfill your dream. Right. So it's like, oh well, I I'm never gonna fulfill. Like, it's interesting. It's been interesting on this journey as Anne and I have talked to all these different people and we've talked to people about what they wanted to do. And sometimes I feel like, and I mean I do it too. And sometimes people will justify, well, I was never gonna be successful anyway. I was never really gonna do that thing. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so I, I, I never, it's fine that I didn't end up doing it. Because I feel like this is the, this is thematic with a lot of people. And I think some people probably mean it. But I think some people maybe say it just as a way to make themselves feel better. As like a bomb. And so I feel like Sebastian was like, by not actually joining John Legend's band, he never had to try and then yeah, fail. to try and then fail. He was always, he was always just a failure. Yeah. But he was never really going to buy that bar. He was never really going to do any of those things. Yeah. Right, so being with Mia sort of spurred him on personally to, like, actually pursue this dream. Because he was, it seemingly, like, he wasn't, I wouldn't say content, but he was comfortable being this guy um, and, who was just mad all the time. Yeah, a misanthrope. So, yeah. it wasn't, it's, to me, I feel like what's interesting about it is, um, I, I didn't necessarily like the fact that she needed him to tell her, you should write a woman play. I don't know if you watched the Gilmore Girls revival. 
I am not. No. Okay. Well, in the Gilmore, one of the complaints that I have and that a number of other people have uh, about Gilmore Girls, um, actually, Rory would be a good person to talk to for this podcast because Rory uh, has not fulfilled her dreams. Uh, most of her fans would be frustrated by Rory Gilmore and her inability to succeed, succeed as an adult. But one of the frustrating things that happens in there, Rory's a journalist. She's a failed journalist. Sorry, spoilers. She's 32. She can't really get herself organized to be a journalist. And this ex-boyfriend friend of her comes along and says, well, why don't you write a novel? Why don't you write a book about your life? And so she ends up writing this like creative nonfiction or whatever about yeah. her life. And it really, you're I'm like, Rory couldn't think of that on her own. She needed a boy to tell her. And yeah. so I'm somewhat frustrated that Sebastian had to be the person to tell Mia, why don't you write a one woman show? Why yeah. don't you remember your dream? But then also, is that not what friends and lovers are supposed to do, but remind us of ourselves? I don't know. Well, I think I 100% agree. The way that the movie portrays it um, is that she just casually mentions, like, oh, I got into movies because me and my aunt used to hang out and I, like, wrote these plays. And he's like, oh, so you're, like, you're, like, a child prodigy playwright. And it's, like, this cute banter moment. But then later he's like, well, why don't you write a play? And so sort of challenging her. But also, yeah, he gives her the idea. But then, like, all the follow-through, the commitment, she, like, sells everything she owns to, like, run at the theater for one night. Like, she's all in on the stream. And then, so this is where their, like, relationship is already sort of on shaky ground because he's in this band that he kind of he's kind of doing to make her ha- it's like gift of the magi scenario right so he's sort of in this band that he thinks so he's got the stability but he's never around right she's working so hard on this one woman show which is like i come from a theater background and this is like oh my god like that's so much work right like she's making the set herself like she had to spend so much money to rent up the theater for one show which is like oh my god um like she basically bankrupted herself to do this show to like say like here I am world like I'm an actress and here's my story and then he doesn't go he's not able to make it to the show because he's a photo shoot because he has like a a photo shoot for his band and he can't skip it yeah so it's like he pushed her to do this dream and then he didn't even show up for it but because he was doing this thing that he thought was good for her right I I just wanted to talk about something that I thought was funny in the movie um that they're eating this meal that he makes her. Um, he shows up. Oh, sorry, Hepburn. Cat is, is oh, biting me. <laughs> She's not biting you. She's pulling on my sweater. She's got very long nails. She does. Sorry, now we're one of those podcasts with cats in it. <laughs> I'm so sorry, you guys. There. All right, Hepburn. Okay. Um, she wanted to tell. She wanted. You were getting my attention, Hepburn. You wanted to speak. Um, She's thoughts about the movie. Yeah, she's thought. She's like, why wasn't there a cat in the movie? Yeah. She probably likes the soundtrack. Anyway, so what bothered me, not bothered me, I thought it was really funny. So he makes this meal for Mia. So Sebastian makes Mia this meal. This is where they have this conversation where she's like, why are you never around? Like, he shows up one night on the tour. He's like, I have to leave in 12 hours, but I came home for one night. Yeah. And he makes her this meal. And honestly, all that you're eating is meat. If you watch, he makes meat, he puts meat on the table, and if you watch this entire scene, they only eat meat. Like, no one's eat, there's nothing else on the table. I think it's really funny. It's like this funny piece of business that this set people are like, oh, here's a roast chicken, but there's no other food, yeah. and they're just eating meat. <laughs> it's not very romantic. Maybe there wasn't a paleo diet. I don't know. I don't okay, know. So Hollywood? I don't know. Is this what you have to do in LA? That's funny. Um, yeah, so they have, they basically hash it all out, and this is where they, like, make this subtext text. Where suddenly he's yeah. like, I'm successful, people like me. And she's like, when have you ever cared about people liking you? Because, like, yeah, 45 minutes ago, he was like, who cares if people like you? Like, yeah. they've switched perspectives. Now, she's, like, the artist who's, like, yeah. pursuing her dream. And he's, like, the guy who's like, well, I'm just, I'm a working musician. That's good enough for me. Yeah. 
It, yeah, and it is weird. And another thing, too, is that I thought was kind of weird and out of character for her is she says in that conversation, he's like, she's like, I'm really nervous. And he said, why are you nervous? And she said, well, what if people show up? Like, but your entire career has been about wanting pe- people wanting, like, you've wanted people to see you and suddenly you don't want to show what you can do to people. And he, yeah. I think he basically says the same thing. Like, why are you crazy? You need people to see you. Whatever. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so that basically just everything comes out because he's all like, you only liked me when I was failing because then you felt better than me. Right. Oh, yeah. And she's like her, like Emma Stone's like giant eyes face where you're just like, she's just like crushed and destroyed by everything But maybe it's true. Maybe. Because on that phone call with her mother, in the same time as she's talking about, well, he's going to open a club, she's like, oh, my one woman show is going to be a great success, mom. I'm like, none of this is true. I think this is... Do you believe these things? It's or? tricky for two creative people to be in a relationship together, I bet, because there'd be some inherent competition. You can't get away from that if one of you is successful and one of you is not. I once dated a guy, um, and I should have broken up with him the minute this came out of his mouth, but I didn't. I stayed in it for like six more months, um, in which we were both writers, and I remember him telling me that if I became successful before he did, he would be very resentful and probably couldn't handle it. So he just like told you Full up said, I don't think I could handle it if you were, if you did well and I didn't. Yeah. Like, that's a problem because uh, you want your partner to be supportive. Yeah. Um, I have this, I have, I have started a journey towards trying to figure out how to be a stand-up comic for various reasons. And, um, I remember I have a very supportive partner who's really like, oh, he helps me come up with jokes. He makes sure that I get to go out and do things. He's trying to get me to like, do, and I said to him once, I'm like, it's really great. You're so supportive. And he said, I'm only doing this so that I'm not embarrassed by you. It's <laughs> like, I just don't want to be embarrassed by your, I want you to be a good comedian because it reflects well on me. Yeah. And I I mean, he was joking, but I think, you know, you also yeah. want your partner because it does make you look better when your partner is yeah. better. So, I mean, yeah. I think this is why so many Hollywood marriages end and the successful ones are where it's like someone who's married to like an accountant or someone oh, yeah. who's married to just like a normal. Yes. Like that, like two Hollywood egos, like it's so rare, except for like William H. Macy and Felicity Huffman. Yeah. Like every, th- every other Hollywood marriage is just like ends because I think that there's that competition. You can't get away from it. Yeah. Um, so... Where are we? So they basically, they break up. Basically, they break up. He doesn't go to her show. They've had this huge fight. She's like, you know what? My dream is over. What am I doing? I've been trying to be an actress for six years. It's never going to happen. I'm moving back to Boulder City. I want to start eating Nevada. Things other than meat. Yeah. So she just, she's like, you know what? I'm just driving back to Boulder City, Nevada. I thought that when she said Boulder, I thought she meant Boulder, Colorado. So did I. And I was extremely confused as to how they could make this trip in one day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so she's from Boulder City, Nevada. Okay, that makes sense. So she basically just goes back home to her parents, where she's just like, you know what, I've... And it's that thing where it's like, it's good that it was Emma Stone, who's an actress who's like mid-late 20s. So she can be like, you know what, I tried it. And there's lots of people who are like, oh, I wish I had given it a go in Hollywood. But she's like an example of someone who's like, I gave it a go. I tried, yeah. Like, I put everything I had in this one-woman show. I did, like, shitty auditions for years. Like, now she's like, you know what, I'm just gonna pack it up. Like, this dream is not gonna happen. I'm just gonna become a realist. And it, so again, they, like, switch perspectives. Right. And it makes me think, our last podcast was with Courtney Lado, um, who, Lado? Lado? She's my friend. I don't even know how to pronounce her name. Um, Courtney. <laughs> and Courtney talked about that. She's like, I never went, like, she's like, I wanted to be a Hollywood actress. Mm-hmm. And I never actually went to Hollywood. 
and like what would it, would this have, and I asked her I was like have you seen La La Land yet because I feel like you would it would resonate with you because that was your specific dream and to watch this woman go through it it would be like okay I'm glad I didn't go that looks yeah. like six years of hell or I, I it'd be interesting for I want to talk to her about that movie because yeah. uh, if anyone's out there listening who uh, would like <laughs> to write to us and tell them what it was like to watch it as someone who maybe had that or dream that was your dream please tell us well and that was part of a small part of what resonated with me about this movie, like, I, when I was a kid, um, like, I, my dream was to be an actress, and like Emma Stone, it was because I watched a lot of old movies, so my dream was to be, like, an actress in the studio system. Yes. <laughs> For, like, MGM. Um, my dream was not to, like, work and do shitty auditions, to be, like, the paramedic on ER or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, gradually, and then I did more theater stuff, and I was just like, oh my, like, Hollywood stopped being my dream. So I don't watch this movie and be like, oh, if only I had taken a chance. Yeah. I'm like, no. Like, when we get into interviewing each other, like... Oh, yes. Um, but yeah, no, acting is, like, I'm fine with that not being my dream. But so much of it resonated because, like, I did write plays also. Like, I love these old movies. I'm like, oh, she's working on, like, the war- on, like, the lot in the coffee shop in the lot. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. that would be amazing if you're someone who loves movies. But so she's... So when she decides, she's like, you know what? My dream is over. This is not going to happen. I was like, you know what? That's good. Like, yeah. Like, Good. Good for you. Like, stop throwing yourself against a wall. Like, right. Like, giving up sometimes is what you need to do. But of course, this isn't that movie. This yes. isn't a movie about, like, realism. No. So, she did the one woman show, and there was maybe, like, six people in the audience. Like, there, there was, like, roommates, not Ryan Gosling. There's, like, a seat that says, like, reserved for Sebastian, oh. and he wasn't there. But one of the people who was at this thing was this casting agent. Mm hmm. So, like, a couple weeks later, they're trying to track her down, but, like, she's, like, canceled her phone. She's, like, fully moved away. She's back in Boulder. So no one can get in touch with her. So they call Ryan Gosling, and they're like, hey, I'm from such and such casting. Like, we're trying to get in touch with her for this, like, movie audition. So even though they're, like, had this terrible breakup, he's like, oh, my God, this is her dream. Like, I can't. So he, like, goes up to Boulder City. He finds her. He's like, you have to do this audition. And this is where she's like, no, like, no, it will kill me. Like, if I do this audition, it will kill me. And it was that speech. They're standing outside her parents' house. And it was that speech that I was like, we have to talk about this movie. Because the speech basically, I should have gotten a transcript for it. But basically she says, sometimes you can't, sometimes you can't actually follow your dream. Sometimes you have to give up on your dream. Sometimes your dream is just a dream. Sometimes you need to be realistic. Sometimes, like, you just have to accept the fact that it's not going to happen. Yeah. Essentially, I think that's what the speech is. Basically. And he's like, well, just, you know, what's one more audition? And she's like, it will kill me. Yeah. Because she's been shot down so many times. Like, she can't get her hopes up. And I understand that. Yeah. I think. It's the same as, like, dating or, like, any other situation where it's like, I can't put myself out on the line one more time. Like, I'm done. You're right. But then, this is a movie. Of course. So he's like, well, I'll be here tomorrow at 8. And the next morning at 8, she shows up. And then they, like, drive back. Yes. And uh, then... she does this audition, and um, then they have this conversation in which they basically really break up because he's like, you're going to get this, and then you're going to... And she's like, well, what does it mean for us? And he's like, it means that we're done because you need to go live your dream. You, This is your dream. You need to go and do your thing. Yeah, he's like, I don't want you to be like thinking about anything else other than working on this movie. Like, I don't want to be like getting in the way of your dream. And I think it's interesting because so many people we've talked to this whole time have talked about... Like, well, I got, I, I have a family and I got married and I have a kid and we have a house and, and people make these choices. Mm-hmm. Very rarely, like, do people manage to have both things, which is like, 
Like, for instance, I, as in my weird, weird journey towards stand-up comedy, I had no other people, and myself included, who are trying to do this. But at the same time, I'm like, well, it's not like I can tour. It's not like I can take... I can go out every night. They're like, go to every open mic you can. And I'm like, well, I can't because every so often I need to put my kid to bed. Like, yeah. because that's a really, that's not fair to my child and to also have a full-time job. Like, it's really hard. So for him to say, you need to be able to devote yourself 100%. I sometimes think about that. I'm like, what would it be like if I could devote myself? Not that I think that I would be, but let's just say, let's yeah. just say, I could, as a single person, decide I wanted to become a stand-up comic yeah. and devote myself to it 100%. Would I then be really successful or would I end up being 45, living in a shitty apartment in LA, being like, well, I never got anything I wanted. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I think especially with creative dreams. And I know I was told this like very early on um, in my like acting, whatever, theater stuff, where it's like, you need to be someone who like, you can't not do this. Like if you could not do this, then don't do this. Like it's going to be like soul destroying. It's going to be like so much work. Like you have to love acting so much yeah or else it's like the lifestyle is just not worth it and the people I know who are doing it are those people like I like there's so many people in all my acting classes and we're all like we're all gonna be stars and like out of 25 people like two people are working actors and to be a working actor in Canada means like you do the Stratford Festival then you do an episode of the Murdoch Mysteries like it's not and you're you're transient and like that's the lifestyle yeah so I don't know yeah so she ends up of course getting the role which is like First of all, the role, she goes to audition and they're like, okay, so this is a movie without a script. We're going to just base it around the actors we cast, make it really personal to them. There's like a three-month workshopping period where it's just like every actor's dream. Right. Where it's like, we're just going to like, like, I don't know who, like, Terrence Malick. It's like, okay, so there's no script. Yeah. (laughs) We're just going to cast a bunch of people who seem cool. Yeah. And you guys are just going to like improv a movie for us. In Paris. Yeah. So it's like, okay, that's the dream. Right. That's for her. So then she, like, in her audition song, like, I might put that at the end of this podcast. Oh, sure. Because her whole song is, like, here's to the dreamers, here's to the people who dream, yes. like, it's unlikely, but, like, their passion is so important. I will admit it made me cry just a little. Yeah. No, and her performance was amazing. That's, like, Emma Stone won her Oscar singing that song. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just guessing. Right. Um, <laughs> but she, yeah, so, but the thrust of the song is basically her aunt was this dreamer, but she's also just, like, a mess. Right. She, she died young. She had all these problems. But it's like dreamers are so important to the world. And then when you watch the Golden Globe Awards, which I didn't watch, but I read about La La Land won so many. Yeah. And I guess everyone who was accepting the award was like, this is for the dreamers. This award is for the dreamers. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, yeah, this, this is, there's a lot to discuss here. I think it's funny because this movie, I feel like, was very loved. And I don't know if it was so deserving, but I feel like all these people in Hollywood voted for it. Because they were like, what's well, relatable? It's really relatable to specific to a specific set of people in Hollywood. Yeah, like if you're not someone who really ever had, like, if your dream was to just like be stable and be able to feed your children and maybe have a job that you love and you want to be able to read. Or if your books, dream was like to be a teacher or like to be and, an engineer, like, and that was your dream, and and just then then you'd be like, I don't understand these idiots yeah. who are pursuing something that is so ridiculous well the thing about the dreams of a creative person like especially in this movie it's not just like like if your dream was to be a teacher then it's like okay and maybe it'll be a struggle to pay for teachers yeah but like if that's your dream like you can get a scholarship you can do it part-time then you become a teacher then you have a job and you do well then you become a vice principal whatever like it's on you to do that if your dream is to be an actor 
it, you'd have to go through a bunch of rooms of people who may or may not choose you. It's not up to you. Interesting fact. The scene in La La Land where um, Emma Stone is in an audition and she's giving a really great heartfelt audition and she's crying. She's like on the phone and she's crying or whatever. She's having this conversation and she's crying. Yeah. Um, and it's you're like, wow, she's going to get the part. And then, then someone's phone rings and someone's like some of the acting, like the casting director is on the phone or dealing with a with something or whatever. That's apparently based on... Um, uh, what something that happened to Ryan Gosling where yeah. he was doing that he was in the middle of a scene he was emoting and crying and someone took made, made lunch plans in the middle of his audition yeah. and anyway, I thought that was interesting the worst that part of that was the person who answers the phone is like oh yeah no I'll just be like another minute no and then Emma Stone is up there just like oh with her like huge crying eyes just yeah. like this this is a great movie to showcase Emma Stone's face giant alien eyes yes yeah, yeah no exactly. and she she's very expressive with her face she is i did not mean alien in any kind of a negative way she has a very interesting face but her eyes are like the proportions of like an x-files alien yeah um um yeah so then basically they have this breakup that's like a very grown-up actually i appreciate this grown-up mature breakup it wasn't like screw you it was just like what's gonna happen and he's like here's you're gonna do this movie like i can't i don't want to drag you down and they're like okay yeah. It was very grown up. I don't feel like that ever happens in real life, though. <laughs> I want someone to tell me if they've ever had a mature parting of ways. Where you just, like, sort of, like, talk to each other and it's like, yeah, this is best for both of us. Let's always love each other. Yeah. So then it goes... But never speak again. But then it goes five years later. Yeah. And suddenly she's very successful. She's, like, what? She's, like, Angelina Jolie level, like superstar and we know this very cleverly this was a very good example of showing not telling because in the very beginning of the movie she's the barista in a coffee shop an actress comes in they give her her stuff for free she tips really well and emma stone's like well, you don't need to tip me this much and the this unnamed actress like tips really well just the on. way that everyone reacts to her you don't even see her face but you're just everyone reacts to her it's like okay this is like julia roberts coming in here so this then like, five yeah. years later this is how we know emma stone is famous is because she does the exact same thing as the actress she goes in they give her her stuff for free she tips really generously she's like it's fine i'm happy to tip and so you're like oh she's now yeah. Julia Roberts. Yeah. Which to me is weird because we find out that she's now married to an older gentleman. Yeah. Um, she has a like a three-year-old. Yeah. I'm like, five years. How did this happen in five years? Okay, so I was doing the math in my head too for this because it's like so I feel like she, I'm shouting. So she went off <laughs> to do she went off to do the movie in Paris. Yeah. Um, you know, five years ago. Presumably while she's there, she meets this guy. She they have a baby pretty much right away. Yeah. Um, I guess she just, like, met this guy, and they're just, like, locked in. They're like, whoa, this is it. Like, let's have a family together now. And and then she becomes super famous from this one movie. Maybe she's, like, so famous she can, like, take time off to, like... Or maybe maybe she's pregnant during the press tour. You know, like Which, Natalie Portman. But here's the thing. It bothered me because Ryan Gosling, who's the love of her life, Sebastian's yeah. the love of her life, says... You don't need to be distracted. You yeah. don't need to be tied down. <laughs> you don't need to have a man who, like, whatever. You need to be free and able yeah. to do whatever you want. And then so immediately she gets knocked up. Like, to me, I thought, okay, you're... I feel like if you were going to do this, just take Ryan Gosling with you. Like, just yeah. bring Sebastian to Paris. Like, yeah. I don't understand why... So I wish it had been more like eight years later or ten years later yeah. because to me that would make way more sense. Yeah. So they but they really make a point of the fact that not just like she's with this guy but the guy seems really great, like he's very nice and like their relationship is like very kind. They she sees the baby she's like super happy to have the baby she's like kind to the babysitter 
Like, she's, like, her home life is, like, over the top, just, like, she lives in a mansion. She's, like, everything. Like, her home life is happy, which is so interesting because this whole movie, she was never, like, oh, I want to get married and have a baby. No. She's, like, I want to be an actress. And so it's, like, she's I know. a famous actress. And she's married and has a baby and she's super happy. Like, this, this, is that was never No, and that's kind of, that, I, I, that's why I wish it had been eight years. Because five years seems not enough time to her to be secure enough in her role as an actress to also have the baggage of a relationship and a kid. Yeah. Like, especially considering the last thing we see is this, her being like, you're right, I have to devote myself. Maybe she got accidentally pregnant. Or maybe he had the kid with someone else. She's the stepmom. Me? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It was, it was an interesting thing. I I get why they did it because I think part of because then well what happens is then they go off and they're having dinner and then they like she like hears jazz music and they go to the club and it turns out it's Sebastian's club. He hasn't named a chicken on a stick. He's, He's named it Sebs, which was her idea. So she goes in and so it's. The two of them. So, but the movie is making very careful. So we know, like, it's not like, are they going to get together again? Because it's like, no, she has a child, she has a husband. Like, right. they're really making it sure, like, they're both single. Right. But yeah, it's yeah. interesting they made her the one who had all that stuff. Like Ryan Gosling could have easily been the one who has the partner and the child. Right. But he well, he, he has might. no. One. Well, he might. We don't know. We well, don't know what his life is like at home. I think we like saw him in his apartment. It was a nicer apartment than he lived in before. But did we see like, him in his apartment? Yeah, he was like cooking. Meat. Oh, meat. See, again, like, they'll eat meat. Um, so then they, like, so she's in the club, he's there, she's there, so it's, like, five years later. We see that part of his, like, commute to get to his club that is, like, wildly successful jazz club in Hollywood, he has to walk by this huge poster oh, yeah. of her giant face. And that's the thing, I was like, is this the French movie? Or is this a, has she made another movie? Like, was the French movie... I don't know how fast things happen. Well, especially if it's, like, a movie where you're, like, improving a script. I know. They're That's why I edit that for three years. Five years didn't feel like enough time to me. But anyway. Yeah. Um, so in my head, I think I'm just going to pretend it was eight. Yeah. Eight so makes she, me feel more comfortable. So they go into the club, and she's like, oh, my God, it's Ryan Gosling. And he, they, like, meet eyes across the room, and they, like, we get the feeling they haven't seen each other in five years. Yeah. And he knows what she's up to because she's probably in all the tabloids and everything. She didn't know he opened this club. So, like, both of their dreams have come true but it is interesting that it's not just like she's successful it's like and she has a partner and a baby like yeah. it's not enough for her dream of being an actress to come true like everything I thought it was interesting that they made and it's Tom Everett from that thing you do yeah so I think it's interesting they picked like an older guy yeah to be it so it, it's like it's not Sebastian it's not the love of your life it's kind of a compromise yeah it's so kind of like a stability thing I think Sebastian has compromised by and who knows maybe Tom Everett was a producer and so she knew if she aligned herself with him he would yeah she would be able to rise like maybe it was a maybe, maybe it was like a, a Harvey Weinstein type a business move yeah oh no I don't think so oh. we don't see a lot of them together but when they're together they're both being so sweet to each other constantly they're sweet but calm there's none yeah. of the frantic like, there's no drama there's no drama so so but anyway what's interesting about it is what happens in the last two minutes of the movie or whatever is we get a whole alternate reality that's the part where i just start crying just sliding like, doors and the one thing that so Anne, when we watched this movie Anne said to me afterwards she said oh sebastian is such a dick like he is a terrible, terrible boyfriend. And so what the sliding doors does is actually shows you Sebastian, their first encounter in real life, he's an asshole. Yeah. But in the sliding doors, he's quite nice to her. And then so it's like all done as a dream ballet, which like dream ballets, like as someone <laughs> who's like a huge musicals nerd from the fifties, like dream ballets are like my favorite thing in the world. So when I was watching this movie the first time, I was like, 
dream ballet <laughs> like i'm just like as though it couldn't be any more one over so it's like through dance they show like what the relationship could have been if sebastian wasn't terrible yeah so then they show like all the different scenes it's like the two of them john legend comes over to talk and he like doesn't talk to him like she goes to paris he goes with her it's like every decision if he he goes to the play he's in the front row applauding so but basically what has to happen then is he if he had been kind and just just not had a dream like what is that telling us? Is it That's saying true. if if Sebastian decided to sacrifice his dream so that she could pursue hers? So he says, you know what? Well, but here's the thing though. What he doesn't do is he doesn't join like a weird jazz band and sell himself out. Yeah. If he doesn't become a sellout and stays true to his dream, and if she stays her to, true to her dream, they both will succeed because presumably she will succeed and then he can go and join, he can buy a jazz club with her Oscar money. That's something I didn't think about, but this is interesting. So the dream ballet, her arc is basically the same. Exactly. She like auditions, she gets this role, she goes to Paris, she becomes famous, she's with him. His arc is just like he's there supporting her. You don't see him opening a club at all. No. So it's like if he just like all he did was support her, they would still be together. So it's like, so that's not possible. It reminds me of Say Anything with John Cusack and Ion Sky because in this in that movie Ion Sky is gonna get like that scholarship and she's gonna go to England and John Cusack is just like I just want to support her I just want to love and then she's like what do you want to do with your life and I think someone says like her dad is like what is your plan he's like my plan is to love your daughter I just want to love your daughter and I, at the time it seemed really creepy and like no get your own life don't yeah. just support your this girl like what's your own you because that's really smothery except what uh this movie seems to be telling us, Damien Chazelle is telling me, is that that's the only way to succeed is if you have someone who's your cheerleader all the time? I don't know. Yeah, no, Say Anything is a movie, it was weird. Like, by the time I watched it, I did a lot of watching of 1950s, 60s movies. So by the time I watched 80s movies, mm-hmm. and that was when it's like, okay, you know, everyone thinks he's like the best boyfriend ever. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll watch this movie. Like, everyone really loves him in this movie. And I was like, no, no he's creepy like he's just like i want to date her and it's like you don't even know her yeah like and his whole thing where he's like i don't have a dream i just want to love her it's like i don't want that that's not what i want i want someone who like has their own passions and interests i want someone who's just like waiting at home to be like how did go in yeah (laughs) because that's a lot of pressure to take to take if my dream is his dream too yeah like if like for for instance if for emma stone for mia if all that she's doing is having this jazz boyfriend who follows her around who's like no 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 i don't need a job and then and then she's responsible for taking him to paris like she's suddenly responsible for him but i feel like the dream sequence was not i hope that that's not what i think it was just telling us that like he was doing his thing but he wasn't compromising either i think the dream sequence is showing like with retrospect it's like okay if i could have done that decision differently i would like he probably would have not gone with john legend if he was able to change. Well, and it's interesting because she's like, what's wrong with John Legend? Why don't you want to join his band? And he's like, it's always a problem when he's involved or whatever. Like, he, like that's the foreshadowing. Yeah. To be like, if you align yourself with John Legend, only bad things happen. Well, and then... If but, you play jazz dance fusion. But at that point in the movie, too, we're seeing what we've seen of Ryan Gosling. And he's like, I have this dream and I'm really stubborn and I'm kind of like, like a dick about it. Where he's like, no, I don't want John Legend. And instinctively, I'm like, well, I think you should go with John Legend because Ryan Gosling, the instincts are not doing him any favors yeah like john legend seems like he has a paying job for him and like ryan gosling needs a paying job but back to the sliding doors Mm -hmm. the difference between them is that in the real life 
he's mean to Mia initially, and mm-hmm. in the dream sequence, he's actually kind. So I don't, I think has less to do with him pursuing a weird career, yeah. and more with just don't be, just not, don't be like a grumpy old yeah. jerk. Like, get over yourself. Just be nice. Mm-hmm. Be nice helps. Well, and it was, like, they don't spell out what exactly is happening in this dream sequence, but see, their eyes lock, so I, I get the impression it's, like, both of them simultaneously imagining how life could have been. Could have been. It's not, like, her imagining it, it's not him imagining it, I think it's both, because at the end they both look at each other and it's like they both shared. Yeah. I think, so I think they both kind of saw, like, oh, you know, we could have gotten to this, a similar moment in another way, but, like, that's not what life is, and then, like, she leaves the club, and he sort of, like, pauses, and then he's like, okay. In this dream sequence, does he, do they end up watching someone else? Yes. And so he doesn't actually so it's not get his club. club. It's not his club. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. But maybe in the end, he's like, none of that matters. Having a club isn't nearly as good as it would have been just having Maybe you. he's like, I'm happy being a stay-at-home dad. Yeah, I wish I wish I'd had you. Maybe it's that, yeah, like those people who are like, you know what, it's fine, I didn't do it because I never would have done it anyway. But it's, I'm sure there's lots, I think you could write like a whole paper about the dream sequence and what it means, but I think part of it is that in the movie, like their dreams, like we started talking about this, like she wants to be an actress and he wants to be, to open this jazz club. Those are their dreams. And then neither of their dreams were like to be married or to have a partner or whatever. Like they're yeah. like job-based dreams. Right. But then like romance and life and stuff got in the way. So this dream dream ballet is showing like well what if their relationship was also I don't know it's like because the relationship was never what either of them was like aiming for in life it is interesting to me too just compare it to people we have talked to so far on the podcast and how many people were like so you're married and you have a child was that your dream people are like no that was never the plan like nobody like very rarely has anyone said well, that was the plan, and yet everybody does it. Well, and then there's people who have said, like, well, you know, I was going to do this, and then I got together with this person, and so then we moved to this place. And yeah. so now I, and so then I went to live in this place. Like, yeah, like, relationships. Well, fuck everything up. <laughs> they can, I think, it, yeah, if you're just a single person living on your own, like, you you have more of a freedom, I guess, to, like, pursue your dream single-mindedly, but then, like, is that the best thing? Like, maybe you end up 55 years old being like, well, my dream never worked out, and also I don't have any love in my life, and I'm alone. It is a gamble, because also having a partner and a child means I can be like, well, I guess I never became successful because I (laughs) I was more important to be a good mom, and I can always fall back on that and make myself feel better, even though I think that's a terrible excuse. I don't know. But, like, not to get too real here, mm-hmm. but I think for you, or I, let's just say for people, like, there's people who I think you, like, wanted a child for a Like, that I was did. one of your dreams, right? It so if you So ne- if you right now were, like, touring around as a stand-up comedian, you'd be like, oh, but I don't, I never fulfilled my dream of having a child. That's true. Like, that's another dream, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, so for people who just, like, accidentally had a baby and that was never their plan, I think they yeah. could be, like, resentful, but, like, there's people who having a child was a dream. Right. That's true. And the other thing, too, is that some of these dreams have timelines. Yeah. So. Well, that's true. Yeah. I mean, and then you see people who... Okay. So I just read The Sweetness at the Bottom of the Pie by Alan Bradley. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever read this book. Yes. Saskatchewan author. Um, so he was born in 1935, mm-hmm. which means he is now 80 years old-ish. Okay. So he worked for... Just his, like, bio at the back of the book. It's like he worked for 25 years at the University of Saskatchewan in, like, the media arts program. He was, like, a technician or something. And then he retired. Like, he had a good long career. He retired at, whatever, 60. Then he was like, you know what? If I was going to write a book. 
So then he like started his book writing career when he was like 70. Now he's like a best-selling author. He's written 10 books. And I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah. So it's not like, well, I guess I had my career and now I'm retired. That's, yeah. I was like, I was heartened actually to be like, he wrote his first best-selling book when he was 70. Now he's 80. Yeah. And it's like, he's just like having fun. So it's like, you can like have your like life with like your kid and your job and then you can do other stuff after. So what do we think is going to happen to Mia and Sebastian now? Do you think she'll ever go back? To him? No, or like to the club. Like, will they reconnect? I mean, in the time of social media, they it's it's you can't burn anything. Is down she gonna anymore. go home like, and just like friend him, friend him on Facebook? I don't know. I, but that would be sad. I don't. But maybe like no, especially if her husband's a producer. Like maybe she could be like, oh, could we get Sebastian to help be like the music consultant for my new film? Oh, but then would they have a romance? Oh, but that would be like I don't know. I think I think they like see each other and they're like, okay, we're both doing good. I don't think they're gonna see each other again. That's how I feel. Okay. I think that's, like, the most, like, poetic ending. Because if it's, like, the next day she calls him and, and was like, let's go have lunch. You can meet my daughter. Like, So we're not going to have a sequel? I don't... I don't... Not with them. Okay. <laughs> I don't think. I mean, I would love part of me, the, like, romantic part of me. is like, it'd be cool if they, like, reconnected and, like... But then also it's like, I don't want to see a movie about them being, like, we're supportive colleagues. Yeah. That's just boring. <laughs> Emma Stone is like, I'm going to set you up with someone... And then you'll fall like Greece too. Like right. no, no. Sometimes it's better to just like end in this sort of bittersweet way. Um, I'm on this group on online where someone saw La La Land and they posted this remark where I was just like, "You do not get the point at all, lady." Where she was like, "I just saw La La Land. Why aren't there happy endings to movies anymore? Is that only on the Hallmark Channel?" And it's like, it was a happy ending. It was. I mean, it was a bittersweet ending. They weren't. They weren't all dead. It wasn't unhappy. Emma Stone's life is happy. Ryan Gosling's life is happy. John Legend, I presume, is out there somewhere doing jazz fusion. Very happy. Very happy. Married to someone who looks like Chrissy Teigen, maybe also in the movie. Um, It wasn't a sad ending, but I think this woman was just like, why didn't they... It's like... And then she listed... She's like, here's my favorite movies of 2016. And it was all, like, animated movies. So I was like, okay, you're just like... You're a child. (laughs) You're a child. If you prefer that sort of ending a movie, like, just don't veer out of the animated genre. Just watch movies for kids that always have happy endings. Yeah. Because I don't... This wasn't a sad ending. It was, like, a true ending. It was, like, this relationship didn't work out, and they both... Life went on. They both achieved their dreams. That's happy. Yeah. Because at the beginning of the movie, that's all they both wanted. They didn't want love with each other. True. She wanted to open a club. She wanted to be an actress. That happened. They didn't even like each other no. at the beginning, but they both had those dreams. Yeah. So they were, yeah. Interesting. The sliding door movie, the sliding door dream ballet could have just been the two of them not talking to each other and then fulfilling their dreams. So, Although I do think that if they hadn't gotten together, it wouldn't have happened. She wouldn't have put on the one-woman show yeah. without his encouragement. He wouldn't have opened a club that people... He wouldn't have compromised and changed About Chicken on a Stick to yeah. Sebs. Like, if they hadn't actually been in one other's lives, they wouldn't have fulfilled their dreams. Exactly. So, yeah. So, like, they serve the purpose in each other's lives that they were there to serve, and, like, and then life goes on. Yeah. So they both, they both, they both compromised because he was like so stubborn about this one thing and she was so much, like she'd given up on like the passion, creativity part of acting. Yes. Like she had lost sight of that and he helped her see that and she helped him see like, maybe you should compromise sometimes. Maybe you should get a paying job to like actually be able to, so like they influence each other in a positive way. You just press the, oh, it's working. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's. Okay. Well, I think we have reached the end of this. It was 
Well, I mean, I I love the movie in, like, deeply personal ways. But I'm glad that you got things out of it as yeah. well. Like, you weren't coming into it being like, oh, that's a shout-out to that musical number from that. Or just no. being like, look at the... Like, the minute... That, so when the movie starts on the screen, it's, like, presented in Technicolor, and the screen, like, stretches out to this different aspect ratio. Like, I started crying at that. <laughs> like, I was like, Technicolor! <laughs> like, everything. It's just like... I was like, okay, this movie was made specifically for me. Like, yeah. Cool. But, but it was entirely just the construct of it. The, like, singing and dancing and just the costumes. Like, I was like, I'm there for that. Like, Damon Chazelle and I have a lot of similar, clearly seminal movie-going yeah. experiences. And then you got other things out of it because I you weren't did. going in with that baggage. No. Yeah. And then, I don't know, I'm, it's a whole other conversation. Like, should it have won of those Golden Globes? Like, eh. I understand why it did. It's like all these Hollywood people being like, it's a movie about making movies. Like yeah. the artist. The artist never should have won all those things, but yet everyone loved it because Because it, it was, was about Hollywood making movie. movies. Like La La Land, in some respects, resembles those montages they show in the Oscars where they're like, here's to the movies. And yes, they just like show the, the same clips yeah. over and over. But no, I loved it a lot. But, you know, it's not the Ann Foster Awards, the Golden Globes. Like other things <laughs> I think perhaps should have won. Right. Like I'm happy to see... Even me, I'm like, I love this movie, but I was like, oh, I'm uncomfortable with how many things this movie is winning. Yeah. Like, I loved it. Isn't that enough? Yes. <laughs> does it need to be, like, beating other... Oh, I don't know. Okay. But we'll see how it does in the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's our first... I think that's all we need to say about that movie. I, I would say the movie was fantastic. Uh, yeah, I think it was going to be fantastic. I think it is fantastic. Uh, I think it fits the bill for yeah. what we wanted to talk about. So. No, and it got it touched on like every single thing. And this is because we've mm-hmm. done however many episodes, what, like 10 or something? More than that, maybe. I don't know. I don't know, but it's like a good sort of checking in, too. Yeah. Like, we've talked to so many people, like we're seeing sort of commonalities and stories. Yeah. And then this movie, like, touched on all of them. Yeah. It's like it was made just for this podcast. Exactly. So, um... Just a reminder, I'll see if I remember everything. So you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter at YWGTBF, which is the first letters of You're Going to Be Fantastic. And if you want to email us your stories, Jenny asked a couple of pointed questions this mm-hmm. week, you know, if you have a response. We'd be happy to read those emails on a future episode. And you can email us at you are going to be fantastic at gmail.com. Yeah. And and I guess that's it. Yeah, otherwise thank you for uh, listening. And and you should go watch La La Land. Please do. I, I think well, I don't. Again, I'm just like I loved it. If you would can think of it? any other movies or yeah. any other things that fit the bill for this, please yeah, yeah, let yeah. us know, and we'll maybe we'll do more movie reviews. And if you have any other thoughts, please let us know. No, that'd be good. Yeah, other. Mo- I think this is a good a good thing for when when there's not someone to interview. If, yeah. I'm sure there's other movies about dreams. <laughs> there Pro- must probably be. some very depressing ones, and maybe other happy ones. Anyway, bye. Bye. Foolish as they may seem Here's to the hearts that ache Here's to the mess we make She told me A bit of madness is key To give us new colors to see
the sun.